0: is sky blues extra
3: good evening everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the sky blues extra podcast which is of course brought to you by shortland horn coventry's leading estate agents it's dean in the hot seat tonight and alongside me i've got david and matt chaps good evening
1: good evening how are we doing
3: very well thank you would have been better if we'd picked up three points this week but i suppose one uh, isn't isn't too much of a disaster, but it was a classic week for the Sky Blues. You know, you batter one of the the best sides in the division last week, 4-1, create chance after chance. And four days later, we can't seem to string two passes together against, let's be honest, a pretty poor whole side, lacking any real quality. And then we take on Derby County, create some guilt-edged chances and, and fail to convert. So overall, Dave, a, a f- frustrating week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you summed it up perfectly really we've just gone and battered a team that we made them look very ordinary I think Sheffield United still gave us problems at times but we we had that energy back we had that sort of will to win back and then to drop off like we did on a Tuesday night regardless of depleted squad personnel it's just it's just really frustrating um and you know i've said this so many times on the pod but the the lads will feel the the same you know sometimes you're just in a game and things aren't going right and it's hard to get out of it if i'm honest and you start to look around and see who's going to drag you out of it and i'm not sure at times we've got that sort of player um that can do that you know i'm not going to compare us with man united but it's the easiest one that comes to mind as soon as the chips are down, they're looking at Ronaldo. Can he do something, a moment of magic to get him out of it? You know, you could speak about that for lots of teams across the championship. Um, you know, Billy Sharp for, for Sheffield United, for example. And I'm not sure we have that player. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to galvanise the rest of the team and say, yeah, you know, let's take, we can go and get this and we can go and get a result. And it did feel like at whole, it was just going to peter out. Um, even though we knocked on the door, I think for a, a large proportion of the game, and I, I thought, you know, Tavares was actually the player that made me feel like that, like we could actually get back into the game, um,
3: to give us that spark essentially, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It's just something to galvanise a performance, and and you need that, you know, um, to to sort of hold on to and go, actually, we're not out of this. Um, but yeah, it's it's really frustrating. The the annoying thing is, is that results still seem to majority of them go our way. Um, it's a tough league. It's it's never over um, until the rather large women are sung. And
3: you know a few of those. <laughs> and I think that... That's, that's enough about your week- weekend antics. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> We're still in there swinging, you know, and, and that's... that's can't you can't use swinging as an analogy now. I've just talked about your weekend antics with big women.
2: I don't own a car or keys, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I honestly think we're still there and we're still within a chance. And, and I think the more that we are, I don't think anyone would have to, you know, said that at the start of the season, we'd be in this position. Um, and when you look at last season, and if you think everyone was talking about how many points we were off the drop, and would they have said that we were out of relegation being five points off the drop? They wouldn't perhaps at this stage five points may not have been enough yet it is still only that sort of amount for us to sort of to get get this playoff push back on track so I'm not saying the performances are showing us in that light but it it isn't done is it and and all we can ask for is an exciting end to the
3: season it's definitely going to be that I suppose Matt if you look look at the table if we'd have gained an extra two or maybe three points this week we'd be you know hovering around the 57 58 mark and and then only one win away from those playoff positions. But, you know, six points is a lot to make up, I suspect, now.
1: Yeah, and I think probably the thing for me is is how many teams there are between us and the playoffs. Um, It's not just, you know, outperforming maybe one or two teams and sneaking our way in there. You know, if we're seventh or eighth and we've got this kind of gap, you're thinking it's really still on, but kind of, you know, four or five teams in between us and the playoffs to even before... We start talking about getting in there that's kind of what concerns me and i that to me kind of that really deems you you have to have that consistency of kind of performance and results and that's where you're concerned for us at the moment because one week it does seem like we can you know come up against sheffield united and hammer them four one and then the next you know kind of four days later we, we're losing two nil against hull at home and you kind of unfortunately as as much as kind of we probably didn't predict that we'd lose that game to Hull, you also not that completely shocked about it as well so i guess it's too many teams for you to kind of expect to have that um lack of consistency above and beyond what we're going to do for us to kind of maybe make up on but yeah i mean in terms of kind of what david said you know we we still certainly can't consider ourselves out there with a you know five six point gap if five there's loads in with a chance isn't it yeah yeah it's going to take i think that's my point it's going to take quite a run for teams to kind of put themselves into the playoffs. And you've already seen a result like QPR today. Obviously, that's quite a, a shocking result. So teams can drop off. I just, what I would say is obviously probably most likely with us at the moment, we don't seem to have that consistency. But with what we've seen Robins do for us over the last, you know, four years, I'm also not going to suggest it's it's completely out of the question for, for sure.
3: Yeah, it's mad you talk about the consistency because, you know, it doesn't seem like any team really wants it in you know, their QPR, four losses in, in their last five. Middlesbrough, two losses in their last five. Blackburn, the same. Sheffield United with uh, you know only two wins in their last six. So nobody really wants it. And it's, it's definitely something we'll talk about towards the towards the end of the show as we look towards the, the business end of the season. But before that, let's get on to, to the two games this week. Let's start with, with that whole game. Uh, Dave, let's talk about the lineups first, because obviously there was a few changes and a few question marks especially
2: over over Ben Sheaf. Yeah, of course. Um I actually thought previously in the season when he was called upon to do that role I think um can't remember who it was that went off injured and he dropped back into that center back I thought he actually did you know did a really good job. Um I think he's a better player coming onto the ball when he can see the game happening in front of him. The problem for Ben Sheaf is regardless of where he is on the pitch he does seem to Sometimes let runners go, um, and not under you know not always track players and let people get in behind him. And at centre back, that's obviously
3: a, a really bad trait to have. It's a no no in that position, unfortunately.
2: Exactly, but at the same time, I would I would say go as far as saying he intercepts balls better than majority of our centre backs. Um, you, you know that that way that he can read a game. Sometimes he. He gambles and he tries to read the situation and gets it wrong. There was a there was a time he did that yesterday actually at at, um, at Derby and he was a bit out of position. But nine times out of ten he actually gets that right. Um, so he isn't he's, he he is quite a natural fit um, at centre back in terms of he's better with the game happening in front of him. He his distribution is obviously better than that of McFadden and Hyam and and, and even Rose. Um, so he can ping balls to players from that center back position i just his positional awareness is is what's lacking for me which makes him a bit of a a rogue you know a rogue player in that position but let's let's be honest he's he's done a bit of a job really um from from the last two fixtures that he's he's played there he's not looked like a complete fish out of water i think he's he's you know i think he's stepped up and and done us a really good job it it does worry me that we're not looking at the perhaps why don't we just go four at the back and two up top because actually it it would have been more sensible to do that and i think i think yesterday especially that's what it needed and we saw a, a much improved performance once Godin had some support up there with, with Jocheres and we caused Derby a lot more issues in the you know final 20 minutes by having that two up top. So this reluctance I think from Robbins to go four at the back is a bit frustration, you know, especially when you're sort of trying to shoehorn players in position.
3: Absolutely. It was, it was quite funny. Actually, me and Ross were uh, having a, a Nando's in honor of, of Mr. Lawrence uh, before, before the game. And, um, I was talking with um Ross's linesman friend who does exist ladies and gentlemen uh his name is his name is Harley I must have
2: uh, missed that invite and the posting
3: I, I think you're at on Dave losing your ass on the GG's I'm afraid
2: Oh sorry was it Wednesday? Yeah. Of yeah.
3: Um otherwise Seeky it would have Nando. been a team outing um to to Nandos um but yeah it was quite odd because we were we were sitting down the team news came in and every little table was talking about where she's playing where she's playing Are we playing for the back here so it, and you were just doing wing roulette. Exactly. Yeah, I was just smashing the wings down. Extra <laughs> hot. Doesn't matter. You know, mouth's on absolute fire as I'm walking over. Good job it's raining because I needed the rainwater to cool my mouth down a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was quite funny. Every little table was talking about that. Um, so Matt, I'm going to ask you, you know, in regards to that sort of shoehorning in, uh, it does sort of smell of that uh, from Robbins rather than playing a system that kind of suits to, to what you have at your disposal. Would you rather see that happen?
1: I don't know if his thought is we haven't really got the um, cover out wide in defence to be able to kind of go to a back four. And I kind of feel that might be his concern because, and I think I definitely kind of what Dave says again, in terms of yesterday, for me, it would have made sense to have two up front. And then that naturally probably with the injuries we've got at the back kind of leads into a, a more of a four four two or, you know, some kind of variance of that. But I don't know if he feels that confident in terms of, you know that what we would call win backs obviously in terms of kind of the nature of how they play the likes of um dabo and and obviously Matson and everybody else i don't know if he's overly confident if you're going to play a back four you're obviously trying to kind of well you're you're predicating them being a bit more defensive minded and i don't know if that's i guess maybe a thought in his mind around why he's a bit hesitant because yeah for me it, it does make a bit more sense to kind of go for at the back end and obviously um key people a bit more to where they should be. And as they says, you know, she's done well for sure, but um it's obviously not the ideal thing that we we want to do. So I don't know if I don't know how you feel, but that that potentially is the reason for me, because I don't feel the most obviously defensive minded. It they'd have to be a bit more so if they're um if they're in a bit more of a flat back four.
3: I kind of just feel like it's down to, to numbers and, you know, just missing bodies in the position. Um you obviously play generally play three centre halves because you don't believe your defensive minded, like you have said there to, to play with too. So yeah, it's just a sticky situation. I think injuries have really come at difficult times for us during the season. There was a period, wasn't it after Christmas, we had a, a host of injuries there, especially, you know, in the forward positions. And now it's just sort of role reversal. And it's a hit us at the back, but fingers crossed now with the international break, that allows us to, to sort of get some, some bodies back in the building and, you know, sort of help us towards, towards the end of the season. Michael Rose being obviously an, an obvious candidate after hopefully coming back from a minor COVID-related uh, incident. So, fingers crossed we do get some of those numbers. And fads obviously, as well. Hopefully, he can he can come back because I do feel like we're you're sort of missing, missing that sort of marshal in the back lines as well. And that was evident early in the game. I thought, you know, I didn't really understand why Sheaf was playing in the centre of the three rather than um and having Sheaf on the right of the three, which I noticed they switched up for Derby. Because you know when you've got Sheafy as a ball player, having him on the right-hand side allows him to move forward a little bit, and then you've always got Higham in the centre to cover any mistakes that might happen or any you know balls through, etc. So I don't know what your thoughts were on on that, seeing you know Higham and and Sheafy in those positions rather than switch round.
1: Yeah, and you're probably looking at it. Obviously, the old adage would be if you if you're going to have somebody drop into um, a back four when it's not their natural position. You probably do want to put them a bit, you know, out more towards the, the wings because if somebody can get by there, it's it's obviously not as potentially critical as if they were to go through the middle. And yeah, obviously kind of a lot of the better passes you can potentially play gonna go down the wing and and hopefully um try and create a chance from there. So it yeah, maybe there was an option there. I think the first goal, um, obviously looking at that came very early in the game and it's really hurt us because obviously it's allowed hall to play away. They they want to play. They're not obviously going to be a side that are going to dominate the game, but they can, um, well, they, they did in, in terms of chances early on, but I think that's because of the fact we're chasing it from there and maybe a bit nervous. But um, yeah, the, the actual kind of factor for the goal, obviously a big thing for me has come down to the fact that Callum O'Hare, and I know he's a creative player, he just hasn't followed Smallwood when he's he's run through the middle. And, um <laughs> It's kind of made the defense look worse because they've obviously had to completely shift across there. But he's just let him completely go in behind the back. So, um, and I don't—that completely changes the whole nature of the game from there. Unfortunately,
3: sounds like you're at the Bahrain Grand Prix, Matt. The big.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm,
3: I'm just kind of off the, the uh, start-finish line here. Oh, perfect. Now maybe we'll get one of the maybe we'll get Hamilton on to to give us his views on the squirrel or Horner. Horner, you know, he could have a. A say on what went wrong for the sky blues and hopefully install some of his money into the sky blues. Although I wouldn't want us to be Red Bull Coventry. That could be a an absolute disaster. Well let's talk about our goal then because you know there was early pressure from the Sky Blues but you know they just sort of play through through us like a, a knife through butter, I suspect.
1: Yeah, I mean it was pretty much where you'd want them to be obviously kind of I mean moved out to the right hand side but fairly standard stuff they move it into to honeymoon he you know nice turn from him creates a bit of space but um again everybody in the team has got to have that flexibility to do a certain role and um unfortunately you know o'hare here really does stand out he's just completely switched off and let smallwood run into um to the box basically and it's a nice little pass but it's not the hardest pass. it is a pass you'd expect him to make and obviously from there um, as bad as O'Hare's moment is, we, you know we, we've obviously talked uh, Simon Moore up a lot this season for good reason. It's not his finest moment. Let's be honest; he should be saving it. Yeah, he, sh- he should be saving it. You know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, and he does, and he has this season. That's kind of the reason we talked him up so so much because he has been that consistent. But um, it's a bit of a horror show. Let's face it.
3: Absolutely. And soon enough, it was 2-0, Dave, talk us through that. How did it look on iFollow from the from the platform?
2: yeah it was i don't know it's just this is this is the frustration i think for me is that we're just not we're not clearing our lines are we it seems
3: to happen time and time again the clearing the line situation we're giving chat teams a second opportunity to recycle the ball
2: that's it and if that ball had gone you know we wouldn't be having this conversation now and i i think you know we we do make a lot of issues for our own for ourselves um we we seem to invite pressure onto ourselves a lot i don't know why we do that it's um it's a really odd one but we seem to allow balls to come in from from you know wide positions we don't seem to get out to players quick enough and we don't seem to stop stop the crosses and that that pressure mounts over time um i think you know Reading was the one that sticks out in my mind that we just seem to invite balls one after another and you know the ball comes across it's it's headed out and we're not getting any bodies in front of that i mean take nothing away from the strike you know he's absolutely hammered that and he's got a bit of you know a bit of help from the crossbar um but if you're out to the player quicker i think you're putting him off and and stopping that
3: yeah and bodies turn around rather than facing the ball don't they like scared to get hit by the ball i think Sheaf was the only one who sort of went towards it
2: yeah no exactly um but what I would say is, you know, take take nothing away from the strike. Once once the he, once the header has has come out, and it's you know it's almost like a new sequence of play. We're not quick enough to react, but once you know once he's hit, it, it, it's it's absolutely flying, um, and and you don't stop them. So yes, we've got to be better at, at clearing our lines um, and getting bodies in front. But at times I think we've done that. Um, I just think we looked very much on the back foot at times and and almost sort of not consigned to defeat, but it did feel a bit like that, that the energy levels were just not that that we saw at Sheffield United. And that seems to give you know, it changes the mood in the team where you're always constantly feeling under pressure um, and it almost feels like a matter of time.
3: I also don't think the atmosphere helped towards that because it, it, it for, for once this season, I thought it felt a little flat at the CBS obviously you weren't there but it just it just had that that sort of league one league two aura about it it was it was very odd
2: yeah it's probably a a mixture at the moment of nerves and expectation and I think frustration you've got to remember that a large proportion of this this crowd now will be you know people that have seen success after success after success in the in the last four or so seasons
3: expectation
2: as well that expectation has gone up and and people don't think around you know always think logically around price of players money finances off the pitch and you know it 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 all I suppose just goes into a melting pot of people feel like we should be having a playoff push if we're that close I know a lot of people also feel that this will be the only chance that we get um I think people are worried that normal service will be resumed next season but what is normal service because we've pretty much improved season on season and we had this chat on the train actually going to derby yesterday and it was a really really good point from Tom who's not obviously with us tonight on the pod but you know give him a shout out because it it was a really good point that everyone's allowed one
3: good point now and again go on
2: yeah but we've just continued to upgrade from if you look at like conor chaplin the way we've then upgraded and now we've gotten we've upgraded again i know he's had his injury problems but we do seem to be upgrading in the positions that, that that we had you know
3: yeah definitely and um Yes, it's a good point you make about you know people expecting this to be like our only opportunity. I think this is going to be the way in the championship for the next you know two to four seasons. There's not a lot of money in this division at the moment. You only have to look at the players out of contract across the clubs in the summer um, to see that you know teams are in financial difficulties. You know you had Reading and Derby have financial um, deductions this season. That's the first of many, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be plenty of those over the next two to two to four seasons. So we're going to have opportunities. And maybe this season is just going to be one of experience for us. You know, we've been in the mixer. We know what's going on. You know, we've got this under our belts now. So maybe in the next couple of seasons, and I'm not expecting us to maybe do this again next season, but in a couple of years' time, maybe we have got the minerals and the experience to to actually do do the playoff push. Because at the moment, we just seem to be lacking that bit of experience in in this position.
2: Yeah. And look, there's going to be a lot of players out of contract. There's going to be a busy summer market. And we've said it again, and, and we'll keep repeating that, that it is going to be a lot easier to sign players when you look at the League One season and when you've finished 8th or ninth or even 11th and you've been in with a squeak of playoffs, it's going to be a lot easier to attract players than it is if you're struggling down at, you know, 16th, 17th and it's a relegation battle. Yes, you'll sign a certain type of player for those situations, but I think longevity, the players are going to want to join a club that look like they're going in the right direction.
3: And well, I think we mentioned this at towards the end of last season, the position you finish in, is a real plus point when you try to attract the player because they look at the league and go, oh, well, these guys finished, was it 18th last year? They finished 10th this year. Who knows? You know, sky's the limit next year, potentially. So that does attract players. Agreed. So it's going to be an interesting summer. But let's get back to this game. Uh, Matt, there was a, a, a big chance you've mentioned in, in, de- in a defensive capability early on, but O'Hare had a fantastic opportunity sort of carved him carved it himself in that first half and maybe could have clawed us back at a two-one before half time.
1: Yeah, it's probably one of the only real quality pieces of play we've we've had in that first half, unfortunately. But um it I guess the frustration from it comes from the fact of it is kind of borne out of the situation. You know, we're two 0 down at home after we've lost, sorry, after we've won four one against Sheffield United. Going back to kind of the whole conversation around the atmosphere, I think expectation just specifically for this game because we have had such a good performance a few days earlier and you know we've already moved one season in the championship um before this to a point now where we kind of probably are saying look at those teams in the bottom half we expect to comfortably beat them because we're a top half team we've just beaten Sheffield United 4-1 and then you can see the goal after four minutes and the panic starts to set in and I think that probably had a big uh, big kind of effect on the atmosphere for for the rest of the game but you're also you start getting in your head and you're kind of thinking if we want to have a chance of winning this game which we expected to do we probably need to get a goal before half time you know we can't realistically expect to score three in the second half even though we've done it against sheffield united it's it's a very different context so that that chance did feel in the context of the game massively important because you know it's probably four or five minutes before half time It, it felt like the only really High quality chance. I know there are a couple of the half chances, but only real high high quality chance in there. But if you take out context from that, it's another example of great play from O'Hare in in attacking context. You know he absolutely completely does the defender with his little turnover. it just allows the ball to come across him from Dabo, and and obviously a step over and, and comes in. And it's kind of that same story. Unfortunately with O'Hare, you kind of look at the chance he has, he has at this season some of them as well that that kind of come off the back of what he's created for himself you look at bristol city um with that individual run you know he could easily be in double figures and if uh and if he was we'd be talking about somebody i know kind of 10 million gets talked about for him if he if he had double figure goals to his name this season which is realistic then you do start to say well that's not an unrealistic amount of money for him but in terms of this chance it's one of those you take it out of context because you you think it's so important in the game you think he has to score but um it's still far enough out that you kind of think the main thing is he needs to put it on target and he and he does forces a good save from the keeper there's there's the chance there to obviously make it unsavable of course for the keeper um but yeah I, I don't know a lot of it just comes down to the fact of the situation because you kind of think we haven't had many chances we're probably not going to get another one before half time and, and we're going to struggle to to obviously claw back a, a two nil deficit in the second half
3: yeah, I'm glad you made the point about the keeper making the save because it was a good save at the end of the day. It was down low, and he's parried it away as well. So, yeah, um, it wasn't an, an unlucky chance for O'Hare. You know, we've had his, uh, we've had uh, our far, fair share of qualms over the over this season with him not hitting the target, but for once he did, uh, and unfortunately, the keeper made a good save. You also mentioned Frankie Dabo in that little sequence there, um, and it seemed to be someone that O'Hare linked up with quite a bit during the game, and. The fans I was around were having their, their fair share of, of, of goes at Dabo. Um, and for me, I think he seems to have lost his edge a little bit this season. Doesn't really seem to want to take on his man. And and during this game, he received the ball in space so often, but never looked like having that confidence to to go for it and take them on. I don't know what your thoughts were on that, Dave.
2: Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I'm not sure what's happening there. Um whether it's just a step up in quality, um, because League One, he ghosted past people. But even last season, we, we saw that. And that was at a time when he was struggling with with multiple injuries, back, the back problem wasn't there. Um, but it, it does seem like a confidence um, thing. And it, it feels like a confidence thing in that right wing position and and the left wing. But, you know, you've seen... Todd Kane crossing from deep, not wanting to take his man on at times, and I just think we've seen it now from from Dabo a lot. There was a lot of opportunities he had to take on his man, and he gets he gets himself into so many good opportunities. Um, but I still think that he just doesn't seem to be as electric as he was perhaps last season, and maybe that's you know a mixture of of a of, of reoccurring injuries and and having to be to be playing and not not a lot of rest time you know i suppose it's a really relentless calendar but i don't know if you can use those as excuses he just doesn't look as sharp as he he once did um but he still obviously possesses bags of class and
3: that's the thing because you know we know he's got it in the locker right and he's just not showing that at the moment
2: no and you know i can't put my finger on why that is only Frankly, Dabo can can answer that question. Um, you know, if if he has got his critics and Mark Robbins is asked that in a in a in a press conference in, in you know in the future, then maybe we'll get an answer, an understanding of that. We we fought it last time when he was we didn't know he was struggling with injuries and he had that reoccur and he he had an operation, didn't he? I think if it was in the summer. Um or towards the end of last season can't remember when that was now but he did have an operation I'm sure on a on an injury um but he just yeah doesn't for me doesn't look as sharp doesn't look as as quick doesn't his pace is doesn't seem to be as um there as it used to be and his re, his reluctance to take on a man is 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 causing us a lot of issues down that right hand side because it's bringing players like o'hare across um, and, and Godden to play one twos in in those areas, but really you just want him bombing down the line and getting a corner or or crossing um, uh, from the byline, and that's that's what he was used to be doing. Um, again, yesterday you see it. People seem to be keeping up with him. He doesn't seem to have his pace as much, and yeah, it's frustrating because we all know what he can
3: do. He's probably waking up with the cold sweats of having to play in the the, the centre back position for for no reason at the start of the season. Uh, yeah. which is which is obviously still a a, a big question mark on wh- why that was happening but um matt what what would you put your your finger on in regards to sort of dabo's performances this season
1: i feel like you know he, he has been more inconsistent throughout the season um compared to obviously league one but even as as dave said in terms of kind of comparing him against the championship uh season he had last year he, he's really been kind of another step even more inconsistent since he's come back from injury in January. I think um, he had some really uh, poor games when he first came back. I think I remember FA Cup against Derby being one that really stood out. It it was right when he came back. And I don't know if it, I don't know, kind of it, it brought into people's attention and maybe for the first time in his Coventry career, he was having a few question marks being asked. And maybe there is a little bit of a, Confidence issue there, you know, alongside a bit of a niggle, which is affecting him from maybe a pace perspective. Maybe it's actually a physical thing, which is stopping him from being able to do the things uh, he's done so well for for us in his career since uh, joining two, three years ago. But, yeah, I I just think very specifically, obviously, yeah, the last season was was better than this. But um, I don't know, since he's come back from injury, it just hasn't felt. it's it's felt like it's taken on another level in terms of kind of his inconsistency and i think we are all more aware of it now as well you know probably there were times um last season where maybe his performance performances weren't so good but he's probably had a few good moments in kind of um and also you know when somebody's in in good favor with the fans as well we kind of let things slip and they don't stick in mo- in our minds as much but at the minute obviously his form has um was poor when he first came back into the side he's obviously got more competition as well in terms of kind of those areas we've obviously brought a few players into the team and maybe that's something that um i don't know was affecting him a little little bit as well because he's got kind of that pressure to know if he's if he's not doing so well he's going to be out of the team and he could be out of the team for a significant period of time so there's a few different factors but and obviously to say we know exactly why we'd be speculating a little bit. But yeah, it just feels for me, maybe there is something with that injury because very specifically, I would say his form has been um, kind of, you know, more poor since he came back around uh, middle of January.
3: One player who doesn't seem to be lacking pace is Fabio Tavares. uh, And he came on and gave us a little bit of spark, as Dave said at the start of the pod. And he had a chance for a penalty, Matt.
1: He did indeed, yeah. And I would agree with Dave, I think in terms of kind of, I don't know he's in that position probably where he can come on and he's got a bit of a free role you know obviously everybody's excited to see what he can do but also I don't think anybody kind of puts total expectation on him especially when you're coming on for those you know 20 minutes and actually 20 minutes for him is is almost like a lifetime that's pretty much more than he's got most of the time when he's played for us so he's got a bit of a free role he can maybe be a bit more direct but that's probably just a bit more in the na- in his nature as well than some of the people that we have um, in those striking positions. And you just, when he got the ball, he was he was just going to go for it. He was going to go at players. And that's what he did it in this incident. And I'll be completely honest, I really struggled to actually see the incident. It feels a little bit Sheaf-esque um, with the penalty yesterday in terms of, to me, it almost feels like the player plants his, his leg and um, Tavares kind of goes into it a little bit. I know a lot of people kind of in the whole game, especially we had the, uh, and we we'll, obviously we'll talk about it with the with the decision over the line there were a couple of other penalty shouts as well with um I think Yokarez earlier in the in the first half and um, when that starts to build any decision that goes against you is kind of you know the ref's got it in for you I I don't personally feel this was um certainly wasn't a stonewall penalty for me it's not one that I would massively um you know hold out too much aggression at the referee for for not giving personally but I don't know if um it's also what I, I actually struggled to see it was kind of a few people in the way so I don't know if anybody had a clearer view than me maybe has a little bit of a different stance on it
3: I was literally right in front of it and for me the question mark is the well the question mark the referee is going to have is that the ball is gone away from Fabio and that's probably why he hasn't got hasn't got given the penalty um there's obviously a clatter in the bodies he's put his body in the way of fabio therefore it should be a penalty but with the ball going so far a distance whether that plays into the the referee's mind I don't know but that's probably the only sort of reasoning I can give to see why it wasn't given but you know we've we've seen as as you mentioned the derby game is pretty much the same with that collision of bodies so you know one's definitely gone against us Add it to the list of uh, all of them that have gone against us this, this year. The refs definitely seem to have it out for us. I, I, I say that, but, you know, you look across the championship and it just seems to be poor officiating across the board. Uh, right, let's get into the big talking point then. The ghost goal. Dave, thoughts? Um, I think that it probably
2: probably isn't a goal. Um, are, you going,
3: are you basing that on the the goal line technology decision? Yeah, I'm basing it on that
2: he checked his watch and there's someone in control of that. God knows where they are, probably not anywhere near the stadium. But it didn't buzz for whatever reason. And therefore, you know, it it isn't going to be called as a goal. You can analyse the shots of that, you know, as much as you want. But you're talking millimetres. But sometimes that's all it takes, right? And... It's it's one of those. It, it, when I actually saw it originally, it looked over, um, but you know the watch didn't buzz and 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 that's 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 kind of that.
3: I thought it was quite interesting because the word from the club after the game is that they they were unsure and the players thought it had crossed the line. And then you've got Luke Tisdale, who was obviously in charge of the of the team that night. He referred to the game at Villa Park. I'm not sure if you can remember that the first game back after COVID, where the technology failed dramatically so there is there is that chance and i suppose when you look at the the pictures that efl have released with the goal line technology showing i think they've actually freeze framed on the on the wrong frame completely i think it's like more over the line when the ball hits the head
2: i think so i think that's what i would agree with like that it seems that they've taken the image from when it's come come back
3: when the player's cleared the ball
2: rather than when it originally hit him and when the ball was in the air and i think when it was in the air it was it it pro- probably was over
3: it's millimeters right it is it's down to that and i suppose you've got to put your trust in the technology if it's there but for me the naked eye says more than the technology in this in this case and it's difficult i know it's difficult for the officials it's always going to be
2: it, it is but but then again i think it again just highlights again and I'll say again, maybe again, <laughs> but the officials just aren't up with football, are they? They're not up with the game. The linesman, it, you know, didn't seem to be. It, he should be able to
3: give that. Yeah, for sure, he should be. There should be a hundred percent from from the linesman. Um, you know, and if it's not, he shouldn't be in 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 that position officiating a game in the championship. Um, Matt, have you got any thoughts on it?
1: I, uh, to be honest, I was going to make the same point in terms of kind of the fact it feels. As though where they've paused it, that freeze frame feels like it's you can understand obviously in most cases the the ball's obviously a forward motion when you're talking about um you know a goal line decision and then it gets cleared. So that's kind of like the standard. This one is, I don't want to say unusual, it's an absolute freak show because it when does anything like that absolutely happen. I mean, he's not trying to, to obviously stop that ball with his head. He just happens to be there and the ball happens to hit his head. So I've never really, you know, probably similar situations but I've never seen anything quite as unique as that and it is a unique situation so the only thing for me is yeah it feels like when you watch that whole kind of EFL freeze frame and they do their little zoom into the goal posts and you look at the ball and everything else that doesn't feel like it's the furthest point of where the ball is into the goal so but I also do kind of you know from the referee's perspective yes I I kind of agree in terms of being with player and everything else but also if they've given them these special watches and the technology and everything else I don't see an opportunity where he can give that if if this kind of watch isn't buzzing and telling him it's a goal and it's that close, unless it's you know really definitively over the line. You kind of you could, like we've obviously referenced the the situation with um, the Aston Villa game, which is, I think was the first game back after um, after the COVID break, and it literally looked like they'd completely for, forgotten to turn the technology back on there because it's literally in the side netting of the goal, and this is a little bit different. So um i don't know yeah it just it'd be interesting if you kind of could watch the whole movement of the ball say in that zoom um zoomed in angle that they've got at the goal because it feels like where they've zoomed in at the point where the defender comes in and clears it isn't exactly the point where it's furthest in but you know it's one of those it's one of those things i guess
3: and it's also mad because the law states that the the width of the goal line has to be the width of the post and it's definitely not anyway so I mean that's another another thing you've got to look at. Um, so you know where does the the sort of the line begin and where does it end with the technology? It's it's very difficult, and I'm not sure. Don't drag wasps into this conversation. <laughs> no, Dave. I wouldn't dare, Dave. Our landlords, not a chance. I was wondering also if the technology sort of precedes the linesman's view. So does the ref have to go with the? The watch ahead of maybe the linesman, even if the linesman would give it.
2: They're always looking for a way out, aren't they? So if they don't actually have to physically give a decision, then they're happy, aren't they? Generally. Yeah.
3: So I suppose you you definitely go with the goal line tech, um, and a fair. I mean, fair play to the team; they all got in the rest face because that doesn't happen often from a Coventry City team getting in the rest face to, to try and get a decision going our way. So that was nice to see. And who knows? You know that goal. You know, we would have obviously had the, uh, the ascendancy going into the, the final periods of the game, but it may not have uh, have changed the result. Um, overall, a, a very sloppy performance from the Sky Blues, I feel. Um, it felt like for large periods that we, we had 11 players that didn't really, never seen each other, let alone, you know, play together during the, the season as well. So a very poor and disappointing outcome on, on Wednesday evening. Um, we'll go with some man of the matches. Matt, we'll start with you.
1: Really tricky to pick somebody for this one. I, I probably would just go for O'Hare, um, on the basis of po- possibly even the step over to create that chance. To be honest with you, like that in itself possibly could be enough to um to win man of the match from this performance. So do kind of yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed the performance from Tavares, and I, you do just feel now, even especially if we kind of drop into a situation where maybe um we are going to kind of uh, end up in mid-table that you just want to see him even get you know a half or something like that and he probably would be up there just on his 20-25 minutes alone but yeah probably for the fact of um, playing you know majority of the game and i uh, pretty much that step over I'd go with Calama
3: Dave what are your thoughts and you can't have Delta work in the four ten. pretty much exactly
2: the same as Matt I'd agree really I think it's difficult for for Ben Sheaf to drop back into centre back, and I think there was a few times that he lost his man. There was a few times he called for offsides when you know they they were miles on. Um But I think he had a good game, and and agreed. Tavares showed so much in the in the time that he was on the pitch that I was left wanting him to have had more minutes um because he was creating that urgency and gave Hull something different to think about and he was a a bit of a tricky customer for them. And again, O'Hare, you know, he he played really, really well. Um, So I'd probably go with Matt, I'd go with O'Hare, but there was a couple of players that were probably up up there as
3: well.
0: You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
3: Okay, let's move on to the showdown on Saturday at Pride Park versus relegation-threatened Derby County. Early kickoff for this one. Chaps in front of the, the Sky Sports cameras, which is always nice. A couple of changes in the team, Matt. A um, few question marks again from Matt Robbins' selection. Um, if only that was the first time I've said that this season. Uh, Jokeres and, and Mattson, two of our best performers this season, dropping to the bench.
1: Yeah, and I think probably a thing for me, I mentioned in the preview as well, I did. I kind of had a feeling we might go against the norm for this one. and. Break the whole two up front at home, one up front uh away from home, and I thought we might start with Godin and Gakerez um on Saturday just because it, it felt like I don't know we we probably really needed the th- from my perspective we probably needed the three points to really push for a for a kind of a playoff place uh, in the last kind of eight nine games that we've got for the season, so I thought we might go for a little bit more and play two up front, but then again it's it's not too shocking, obviously if we go for the standard um two in behind one one striker you know Matson had a really good performance in that kind of role against crystal city and hasn't really seemed to get the opportunity to follow that up uh in the kind of what was it in four or five games since then as well so i guess for me that's a little bit of disappointment i don't know if there's thoughts Matson maybe needed a little bit of a a break which obviously in the end didn't get it because of because of injuries but um that's the only real reason I could see for, for not playing him personally in one of those supporting roles um, ahead of Shipley. I don't know if anybody has any other thoughts on that, but for me, I, I don't know. I'd just, I'd be quite keen to see him uh, have a bit more of an opportunity to do that on the road where we're saying we're not going to, obviously, we're not going to go for that um, two up an option.
3: Did Shipley play? I didn't notice him for... For the whole game if i'm honest yeah, apparently
1: he did yeah he came off at some point which is pretty much uh, the, the first point i really noticed that he was there but yeah it's just so disappointing you just kind of look at a couple of situations at the moment and you think again going back to tavares you, you just want to see and get a few more minutes And you kind of think what's the reason not to do it and then you look at the performance mattson put put in against bristol t- city and i might be kind of talking about um you know fantasizing a little bit in terms of kind of a one-off situation but I don't know, he, he, he's done enough for me to kind of get that, um, get more of a chance to play in that position. And I think it is probably one of those situations where you could say, yeah, it wasn't the best of days for Shipley for sure. And um, there wouldn't have been too much lost from the perspective of Mattson, other than the fact that he probably would have had to have dropped back into defence after, what was it, 15 minutes anyway, because of injuries.
3: It was a bit of a cagey opening, Dave, wasn't it? Derby slightly had the upper hand, but sort of the sloppiness carried over, didn't it, from, from midweek?
2: yeah we didn't get in their faces quick enough for me um we allowed them to put the ball around the park pick out little passes and we stood off our man and and that meant that they created opportunities especially in behind with a makeshift center back part you know pairing that's always going to cause you issues and i just feel again we just don't close people down quick enough and again we've talked about dab already on the pod and we won't go over it but his sort of reluctance to to be not up with play, but on, on players' toes. I, I remember, you know, growing up playing football and managers just used to bellow at us to be on their touch, be on their first touch. And it and it seems like we seem to give people so much time. And what that happens is that they, you know, choose to pick a pass, choose, you know, have a, have a go, lad, you know, pick out someone, whoever you want, because we're going to sit off you. And I understand that sort of defensive mentality about you know giving people time on the ball so that you can get men behind the ball but I think in certain areas and I would would definitely say those wide positions that we're just not on people's touch and that I think gives people too much time it has that sort of casual um, feel about it and it allows people to pick passes, and I think that's why Derby in in the open exchanges were were getting a lot of joy.
3: I couldn't agree with you you more there. And um, we did have a, an early chance for for Matty Godden, Matt, but he was stretching, wasn't he? It was, it was very difficult to sort of control that chance. Yeah, it's a,
1: it is a half chance. I think kind of it's one of those. It feels like it should be a really good chance because he's in behind the back of the defence, and you're kind of thinking. In that situation, Matty Godwin, you're expecting to see um, the ball in the back of the net. But it's, yeah, it's the bounce of the ball. Obviously, he can't wait for the ball to drop because the keeper's going to be on him. He he has to try and do something um, with the ball bouncing pretty much up at his chest. And actually, for me, he does pretty well to to fashion something um, half decent. And it's, I don't want to say a great save or a good save or anything like that, but it's just good positioning from the keeper because he does get a good connection on the ball is going to go in and Allsopp's kind of done his job in the basis of he's kind of come out, he, he's right there when the ball bounces to Godin and um, and just spreads himself. So, yeah, it's one of those, it probably feels like you, you're expecting a bit more because he's in behind the defence, but actually, in fairness, he, he does well for me to turn it uh, goalwards.
3: Yeah, and you've mentioned, obviously, the keeper, good positioning, but there's nothing he could do about the actual goal. Dave, an absolutely sublime move from the Sky Blues.
2: Yeah, no, it is an absolute incredible, credible goal. And, you know, we now know, don't we, that Godden is probably the best striker that we've had since maybe Callum Wilson um, in terms of how prolific he is in front of goal. Uh, He always takes his chances pretty much left foot, right foot, doesn't really matter. Um, I honestly think that if we'd have had Godden around for the full season, we would have you know we we probably be cemented in those um playoff positions and we've seen a lot of other players have chances that they haven't taken that I think Godin probably would have put away and it's just it just comes so natural to him he's a natural finisher he's a natural striker he it wasn't easy by the way you know it isn't an easy finish that it's dropping it's sort of on the half volley and to meet that perfectly whilst running at sort of full tilt and at stride is really difficult to do but it just shows you that his timing is just you know impeccable and it it was a really really good finish great link up play you know the great one two um and O'Hare's done brilliantly you know you can't take anything away from him he's done absolutely brilliantly but there was still a lot to do from from Godden and and he put it you know in this in the position that even with a hand from Allsop, it was still couldn't keep it out. And to pick, you know, most strikers go, will just go low and hard and kind of near post probably at that. Or, or, you know, you expect those to sort of probably go at the keeper, but he got it completely right um, across the goal and just an incredible finish. And, you know, Godden's going to be really important for us. And, and I just hope that we can get him into more positions like that because because he takes them.
3: Absolutely. Let's um, let's. Oh, I mean, not not much happened in the game after that. There's obviously a bit of sustained pressure from from Derby. It Kind of felt like something was 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 coming, and then the ref probably felt pressure more than anyone else um, that the home fans were putting on him, and to to give this penalty. Obviously, we spoke about the penalty uh, that wasn't given on Fabio Tavares, but this one was on Tom Lawrence, Matt.
1: I do think what you said is very key in this situation just consistent pressure off the back of what i would only describe as diving from them to be honest with you because i think there were probably well certainly two but three other incidents before this where um yeah they were just trying to buy a penalty quite quite clearly i think um the the one probably about 15 20 or just before we score um i was really surprised sky didn't make more of a an issue of the fact that it's a blatant an absolute blatant dive, and they've kind of passed it off maybe as a bit of a stumble or or whatever else. There are a couple others as well. Um, one on the left hand side, I think, earlier in the second half, and it, yeah, maybe just a bit of sustained um, pressure on him because of all these decisions which seemingly are going against Starby, but they're absolutely not. They're all correct. Well, I say that maybe there was, <laughs> there was one moment with Douw as well. We could uh, we could mention, but this incident in itself, it just isn't a penalty. Um, you know, he, he basically just jumps into Sheaf and goes over. And you can see, I know it's silly, it maybe a little bit silly to say in terms of kind of taking a lot off the reaction of the the defending team because obviously they are going to probably try and um, try and wave away the, the, the penalty claims or whatever. But you can just see the way they instantly are waving him up. You know, they're almost embarrassed as the opposition to see him, him do it. And, yeah, it's it's just not a penalty. But I just think, yeah, a lot of pressure on him. Uh, on the referee, I should say, in terms of kind of the decisions that have come before that. And I think they've probably they've pr- probably bought one there. But, uh, just in terms of the penalty itself, actually, you can't really take too much away from it. He's, he's uh, smashed at home. So from that perspective, yeah, well taken. Um, but he, he's bought it, let's be honest.
3: Dave, any thoughts on that? Because O'Hare does clip him before, but Tom Lawrence stays on his feet at that point. And I suspect he's probably his mind's thinking, I should have went down there and then does at the second opportunity.
2: Yeah, I agree with what Matt said. And at the, you know, it was the opposite end to, to where um, the away support was. So at the game, it kind of felt like, if I'm honest, I was like, oh, it's a stupid, stupid tackle in, in the wrong area with, you know, with a player that's looking for something. So I, I, I thought it was a penalty, to be honest, when, when I first saw it um, live. Looking back and why you know my girlfriend was just fiance sorry I should say um was just literally well, I'll, I'll I'll clip that up and send it to her <laughs> yeah um literally she was like why are you watching this game again you've j- you've just been and watched it <laughs> and I was watching the game again <laughs> she on, doesn't understand I know watching the game again last night and yeah I think looking back at it and with the slow-mos and, and all of that which I know the ref hasn't got isn't privy to it when the game's going on, it, it felt to me that, yeah, he's bought tried to buy a penalty and, he, and he's got it. And I think you, you said it correctly. It was a mounting up or a sort of, you know, ca- you know totting up, I think, of penalty shouts and, and the ref has just caved. And it's a real shame because, yeah, there was pressure and sustained pressure from Derby, but we also had chances um, to, to put the game out of sight. Um, and I just think this is one thing that we don't do well enough, and it's easy to say, but we don't seem to keep the ball and take the pressure off and piss about like other teams do when they're 1-0 up, and we can all laugh about people like the goalkeeper slowing the game down and, and messing about at 1-0 in the 35th minute, but all that does is winds up the opposite team and knocks momentum and takes it out. Whereas we we seem to just, we need to, there's lots of times where I think we just need to put our foot on the ball, bounce it around and try and keep the ball rather than, you know, and, and that will hopefully just take a bit of pressure off us, but there was sustained pressure and that's ultimately why, you know, why the penalties, you know, chance has come.
3: It's quite funny you mentioned the hallkeeper there because, at one point he went to go collect the ball from um, the back of the goal and he was just sort of trotting over. It looked like he was in a Olympic dressage or something like that. It was very odd. And there was a guy behind me who just absolutely lost his head Went <laughs> flying down the stairs to him, started berating him, and the uh, the hallkeeper just smiled. And that's what it does. You know, those, those time-wasting antics and those, you know, the dark art, shall we say, they, they do affect, you know, what the referees and, and what the crowd's Crowds do, and it's it's disappointing. The referee should be stronger at this point, but obviously not. And and Lawrence duly dispatches the penalty. Saying that, we did have two absolutely glorious chances. They felt a big Vic as he entered the fray towards the second half. Um, Matt talk us through this first one. He fashions a chance for himself, but just that composure blazes over the bar.
1: Yeah, it's a hundred percent down to him. It, it's fantastic to play to get into position. Obviously, he wins the ball, nicks it away from a couple of defenders, and and again, we talked about it a couple of times. I remember another goal um, being one that he scored, but was actually set up by Hamer, for example, at Bristol City, where he has ran from um, you know halfway with the ball and picked the pass. And sometimes it doesn't look as impressive as it actually is to be able to run at pace with defenders on your shoulder and kind of keep the ball like that because. You know, I don't think any of us expect Jokeres to be able to completely go away from a defence in that kind of a situation when he's got the ball at his feet and they haven't. Um, But to to still be able to kind of maintain control, hold those players off, and obviously work himself into an area where he can get a shot off is in itself impressive. So this one, you kind of give, well, personally give him a little bit of a pass because he has done the work to kind of fashion a chance from nothing. He's still far enough out that you kind of say, what you really want to see and kind of maybe going back a little bit to that O'Hare comparison from the the whole game, you want to see him work the keeper in that situation. You know, he's he's got a shoot there. He is getting caught up. I think he's kind of um, dragged it out as far as he can in terms of holding off the defence. So he probably does have to put that shot in at that stage. It's not like he can run in any any further. And, um so it is far enough out to say, look, you can't expect him just to absolutely bury the um the opportunity, but you do want to see him work the keeper and unfortunately he's absolutely slashed at it and put it god knows where in the end. But um yeah, unfortunately because obviously it would have been a fantastic individual goal, but certainly not as golden opportunity for me as the one that I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about now, which came shortly after.
3: Yeah, let's let's talk about that because you mentioned obviously not forcing the keeper to make a save and the keeper did make a save on the second opportunity Dave but he still has to score surely at this point it's 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 a goal begging really it's
2: absolutely horrendous isn't it um and I agree with Matt the first chance you're running you're doing a lot of work you know you, you're sprinting around you've beat a couple of men you get into a position and exhaustion kicks in and you kind of you know you've got nothing left and, and you put it over the bar those I can understand that because I've kind of you, you know everyone's been in those situations when they've played football that you beat a man beat a man beat a man and just you're sort of just so momentum takes over and you you just you know blaze it over the bar and slash it but this one it's absolutely put on a plate you know and is um, put put the ball through, lovely ball, well-weighted, perfect, um, great run again by Jokeres. He could have even gone round him, to be honest. It, you know, I wouldn't say that. A striker should be first time or at least taking a touch and just curling that round. You know, the old, what is it, the old L2 button on FIFA. Um, but just literally, yeah, any side of the goal, uh, sorry, any side of the keeper and that's in we have got to be scoring them there's no no ifs no buts it's got to go in if you're a striker in the championship it goes in that goes in you know down um the astro turf at Sutton every single tuesday night
3: not not from you
2: not from me <laughs> but from 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 others that are playing a lot lower you know level of football um and yeah i just think it's got to go in. And I suppose lacking that different.
3: conviction is the difference between him and the Mitroviches, the Solankis, the Diazes of the world. Well, that's it. And teams
2: as well, you know. So I know QPR on a bad run, but QPR score that. Luton score that. Sheffield United, Billy Sharp scores that. Um, I mean, we could go on, couldn't we? And that's probably why when, originally when we spoke on the pod earlier on, And Matt said about the teams and you look through that and you look at the pedigree of the teams that are above us or around us, regardless of dropping points, that's probably why you just can't see us sneaking into those positions because you just feel that those teams have just got that slight extra edge, that slight bit of quality when they need it. And ultimately, it's why Derby County have been rolled over by teams. It's why Hull have been rolled over by teams because they've come up against a team that well like Luton did to us out of sight within the first 10 minutes it's game over it's very hard to come back from that once you've put your chances away but once three or four or five chances have gone past in the 15 minutes and you started really quickly and then the pace of the game starts to drop off the expectation goes up everyone around you and the pitch is saying we should be winning this. How are we not winning this? What's you know, and and then the chances that do come are rushed, slashed at, no composure because of the pressure that they've built and put on themselves by not scoring earlier on in, 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 in games when they've had golden opportunities. It, it's probably the difference, in, in my opinion, between us s- securing playoffs and, and positions and, and not. And you can talk about defensive errors, but I think if you analysed every game and it, of, across the fixture list this season, I think you could probably count points dropping errors defensively on, sadly, probably more than one hand, but not converting chances. You'd need, you know, half of Enrico's hands to, to, to calculate that.
3: No, you're 100% right. And yeah, for me it is exactly the same thoughts. It's the top end of the pitch which has really let us down this season. You look at Yorkeres, he has three shot three point one shots per game on average. You took that part over a season, you know, it's over a hundred, and if he scores a fifth of those goals, he's on you know, a fifth of those chances he's on twenty five for the season. So he's definitely had his fair share of opportunities this year and unfortunately just hasn't really shown that guilt edge. The defence though is that
2: I think I saw on Twitter earlier on that people were saying that Godin and Yocarez combined or, or something have got the most. I can't remember what I read, but it was sort of coming
3: to the defence of that. But yeah, I think that's due to minutes per. Fine. Okay. Goals. But, but I think in regards to go, like goals per chances, I think we're at the bottom end of that.
2: Yeah, and everyone talks about this XG, right? And that's it. it and the reason why we're not. In the in the in secured in the playoff positions, the reason we're not uh, a Huddersfield or a, a, a you know is because we're not we're not taking our chances. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a penalty missed against us this season. Um, we missed one against Barnsley, golden opportunity, golden opportunity to get points. The list goes on.
3: That feels like an age ago, doesn't it? That when we were all moaning about Vic not taking it in Waghorn, yeah, uh, Waghorn taking it, not Vic.
2: It does. But these are the things that stick out in your mind, aren't they, of of reasons why we might just be a bit short. Um, and I think, yeah, combined with the pedigree of the clubs that we've got above us, they just put those chances away. And it's a real shame because Jocheres has made chances and scored goals that a lot of players in the championship haven't got in their locker. But that doesn't mean that he can go and miss a one on one.
3: Yeah, he seems to take the the hard chances and and misses the easy ones, which is very frustrating as a as a supporter. Uh, overall, a frustrating game for the Sky Blues. Uh, Simon Moore's performance was was pretty good towards the end as well. He made a string of saves which kept us in it. Let's talk about some man of the matches. Uh, let's start with you, Dave. Yeah, I I
2: thought it was a you know it was a good performance. I think Hamer had a good game. I think Ben Sheaf had a good game but you know, I'd have to go with with Gordon. O'Hare as well was brilliant. But I'm going to go with Gordon.
1: And
3: you,
2: Matt?
1: Yeah, we're pretty in sync with this one tonight. Uh, yeah, it has to be Godin. The goal in itself obviously is fantastic, but it, he is the one if you if we are going to play one up front, um, as good as joker is is um, in doing a lot of those things up front by himself, Godin just adds that kind of more, I guess, confidence that he's going to be able to to get the goals. Um, take take more of the opportunities, I guess. And, you know, obviously he's been instrumental in that chance, which, uh, as Dave says quite rightly, it's, it's just got to be um, taken by Gotrez in the end. So, yeah, all around, I'd have to say, yeah, definitely got him for me as well. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
3: It's a couple of weeks off now for the Sky Blues as we head into the international break. And so with those couple of weeks, we're not going to preview the next game at home against Blackburn, but we're just going to have a little discussion now on our thoughts towards the end of the season. Eight games to go. Uh, The business end, we might say. Mark Robbins has made his feelings known at the weekend. He just wants the team to keep going. He referred to it as a good season so far. So Dave, my question to you is, what is it going to take to turn this good season into a great one?
2: Yeah, it's going to take us putting a run together. You could say that if we do getting started at, at Blackburn um and start to put a run together then it's the right time to do so but I feel like that run should have come against two lower you know lower league teams in in Hull and, and Derby and when you look at the performances and take Sheffield United one out of it I think um the form isn't great is it it's it's um is it free free games without a Win is that is that our, not our longest, but you know we've obviously got beat against Swansea, um, Luton, and and you know Hull, and 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 Derby was it was a was a better performance I think it it was, um, but Blackburn, Forest, Fulham, West Brom, even Bournemouth, it's just it's asking almost for a miracle on paper, but. Games aren't, you know, games aren't played on paper, um, and you know we've got to really leverage the the atmosphere that we can create at, at, at the um, CBS against Blackburn um, and against Bournemouth because I think that they're going to be key key games. There's a chance that Huddersfield might already be um, pretty much over the line when we when they they turn up at the CBS, which might be a bit of a benefit, but. And Stoke possibly might not be playing for anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, those eight games are, are mad because you look at Fulham and Bournemouth, you take those two, potentially going to be automatics for those. Blackburn and Huddersfield, both of those are in the playoffs. Forest and West Brom are just outside the playoffs with, you know, ambitions to get in there. And then the other two games are, are local derbies. They're big local derbies between Birmingham and Stoke. So they're. <laughs> Where, whenever, wherever you look at it, it's is there's there's always something about it. You know, we're going to be taking points off teams potentially, and you know, teams taking points off us who are going to be looking for those playoff positions. So, it's a very very difficult set of fixtures to end the season, Matt.
1: Yeah, it's it is, and I think kind of Robin's words are always they're very well planned out in what he says. He kind of he's never really setting a target. He's never really massively talking about the playoffs, um, even though theoretically we would still be in with the shot you you don't really hear him massively talk about it you know maybe two three four five weeks ago even where we were probably right in the in the meat of things as well so I think for him and kind of going back to a point that Dave made earlier which I thought was really really important is kind of that thing of just as a football club knowing we are massively going in the right direction and yes it probably does feel frustrating because we're We've been that close, you know, for a majority of the season. We were in the top six for pretty much the whole of the, the campaign up till December. And and obviously, we've been outside it for the last couple of months, but not too far out. Always been in striking distance. Every time we've lost, we generally come back with a, a good result. And then it brings us back into striking distance again. And, you know, we kind of go from maybe we're out of it oh, we're still back in it. We're out of it. We're back in it. And Robbins, for me, is very practical in his thinking in terms of kind of, he knows this isn't he's confident let's say that this isn't going to be our our best opportunity because he has such confidence not only in his players but the but in himself and the people that he's got around him you know look at what we've done as a football club over the last few years on a shoestring budget in this league we've gone from you know relying very heavily on loans to um we obviously still bring loan players in but we've now got a lot of assets at the football club and even in the next two three years, you know, we're probably going to have to make a couple of decisions that people aren't going to be too keen on to bring a bit of extra revenue in. But I, I would still back them to be the right decision because if we can take a transfer budget which is maybe maybe been a, maybe been around three or four million, let's say um, this season, and we can, you know, we, we can add another three or four million with with a sale of a player that we don't want to see gone. But that for me, I'm just I also keep in the back of my my mind looking at what they've done. You know, for bringing we've we've only spent a million on one player or over a million on one player is now being as a established championship team. So you talk about an extra three four million on top of maybe what we would have been spending anyway. Um, that could be five or six really good players, and our track record is we turn them into you know multi million uh, valued players as well. So for me, going back to the whole question around this season, it's been an unbelievable season when we when we look back on it. Um, it is a really tricky last eight games, as we've said. Mark Robbins, for me, is very practical, and I think he's very particular in saying, look, we want to get as many points as we can. He's not saying we want to do this out or the other to get in the playoffs. He just wants to finish, you know, nicely. Maybe the target for him, I I probably think, is, is top 10 uh, on the basis of he's very confident that this is not in any way, shape or form going to be our best opportunity to to really get in the mix for promotion.
2: If if we were talking about it, what do we think the number is for that? Maybe fifth or sixth spot. I, I, I think that you're probably playing for fifth and sixth, regardless of other teams. From the next games, what do you think points wise we need? Sixteen.
3: I would reckon you need to hit seventy points to get in the playoffs this year.
2: Yeah, I was I was banking working on a sort of seventy-one, thinking that Sheffield United and Blackburn probably are both going to get ten points more at least towards the end of the season
3: yeah over eight games there's a very good chance that that's going to happen so you know that that relies on us getting 15 points minimum out of eight games with only 24 available that's against teams four teams above us five teams above us that's tough asking
1: and that and that's kind of starting at the playoffs as well isn't it i think kind of last few season, it's probably been a bit more than that so that's I think that kind of point total is to get in the conversation not necessarily definitely get in the the actual mix of the top six as well so
2: yeah and then you're looking at things like goal difference as well then aren't you
3: yeah and you you're then become in a position where you've got to rely on other teams taking points well that's from, it those I think us.
2: regardless we need to we'll have to rely on other teams we we've, we've ultimately got to beat all of the teams when they become six pointers like you know we've got to go to forest and beat them we've got to beat Blackburn at home. Um, You could say we've probably got to beat West Brom. They're sat one point behind us at the moment. There's nothing to say that they won't go on a bit of a run between now and then.
3: There's this sense of it's like it's out of our control a little bit now. Definitely. That's not a great place to be. It's not completely
2: out of our control in that all we can do is manage our own points total. But I think when you look at the fixtures, I look through that and think, we could probably get realistically ten or eleven points, which I don't think is enough. Well, don't think it's not.
1: It's not. Yeah. Last season it was seventy, seventy-seven, wasn't it?
2: But you look at the teams: Sheffield United, Blackburn, uh, and Borough, with with a game in hand. They're on fifty-nine. They're going to get. They're going to hit another nine to ten points, aren't they? There's no way that they're going to go eight games without probably three wins but one of them anyway
1: i think it goes back to that that point of the number of teams that are there there's just too many teams for us to kind of especially if you combine maybe our inconsistency there's too many teams in there and and you've got to think we need to be better than you know six or seven teams and and not really have any of those teams be better than us and um i don't know you just as you say with the pedigree of some of those teams with the strikers some of those teams have i just I just can't can't see it. You just know that a couple of those teams are going to put too many points on the board.
3: We need a bit of Ted Lasso. Believe in this joint, lads. Believe. We need need a bit of belief, surely.
2: <laughs> no, of course. Like you know, it's not like we said. It's not over until it's over. And all you can do is keep winning football matches. the The issue of, for for Coventry City at this moment in time is they're not doing that consistently enough.
3: Yeah, the consistency
2: is going to be the the killer for us. That that means that you know we're probably not going to be in 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 a position to 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 have you know playoff football that that's just the reality of it some f- freak games and and you know outcomes and results could happen you know you'd have to say peterborough beating qpr today is is a freak result but even things like forest you know they've only played 36 games and they're on 58 points um it's just it it looks tough which is a frustration because I think the last, but bar Sheffield United, there's there's no reason, I don't think, why we shouldn't have been beating these teams. And, you know, we've conceded soft goals against Hull and, and, and actually, as bad as we were, we were still knocking on the door. Um, Derby this weekend, again, we weren't at our best, but they clearly a a team that are quite easy to roll over or or seemingly because we had two glorious opportunities that that we didn't put away um so it it's 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 a harsh reality but I think we've just got to be honest and think well it's been a really good season all we can do is push them close and yeah we could go on a run and and we know what confidence and morale and and a winning mentality can do for a team and that will hopefully put some pressure on other clubs um we'll see but we certainly need to get a result at blackburn uh, you know at, at the cbs against blackburn
3: and on that note i think that's a nice way to sort of end this week's podcast uh, lovely to have you along with me this week chaps so a big thank you to our sponsors as always at shortland horn And an even bigger thanks to you, the listeners, for your continued support. And if you have any topics you want us to discuss, please get in contact via the usuals. And we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks' time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast.